welcome to another episode of Fully Free with Ashley. This morning we're going to be diving into a really cool topic. It's going to be a really casual conversation with an amazing woman named Kirsten Kim Kamura. I think I'm saying it right. But anyway, she is Estonian and she lives in California now. She has a PhD and she's a health coach really focusing on helping women recover from burnout. So recover from you know, overtraining, under-eating, obsessing, maybe losing their period, feeling exhausted, and coming back to vitality and finding a balance to enjoy the movement and the physical activity that they love, but also honoring rest and, and, and really incorporating mindfulness into their wellness journeys and a whole host of other things. So I'm super excited to connect with Kirsten in a moment. And when she comes on, she'll like usual, just give a little intro about herself, about her journey, and how she's ended up where she is today, making a huge impact in people's lives. Just before Kirsten comes on to introduce herself, the topic we're going to be discussing today is going to be really just exploring how health and wellness isn't a black and white concept. So how we always kind of see in the media different perspectives of what health and wellness is and how extremes in in either direction of either being like obsessive about food or completely the opposite where you're just like I'm gonna eat snacks all day and I don't care uh, what what my health what happens to my health because I want to eat freely you know those are just some examples but where we really want to dive into kind of a taboo topic in this industry because we think there just needs to be more discussion on how health isn't black and white and how we can't look at one person's choices and assume that the way they're making their choices is from a disordered place, especially if we don't know their history, their background, why they're making the choices they're making. And more importantly, we can't just look at someone and know their mindset. We can't look at them and say, oh, all the things they're posting about their healthy meals every day, they're disordered because they're obsessed about it. Maybe they're just very committed to their health, their their well-being, maybe they enjoy the how they eat, maybe they totally have food freedom and when they're at family parties that they eat cake because they want it. Like we don't know from the outside and there's so much that we can unpack here. So I'm really looking forward to this discussion. Okay guys and gals, so Kirsten's going to take a moment now to tell us about her story with HA and her experience healing. Hey everyone, um, so excited to be here. So thank you so much Ashley for having me. Um, so my story, it's a long story, but um, I'm trying to kind of tell you the main, the most important points. So basically I've been pretty active all my life. Um, or, you know, when I was maybe nine or 10 years old, I started doing track and field and then later became basketball and all that kind of stuff. So super, super active and uh, never really worried about my weight or calories. I didn't even, it didn't ever even like, cross my mind like to check how much you know energy is in schools or whatever and uh, so that continued like through my high school everything was fine super active um, never had any issues in my body my family never had like any dieting or we never did anything like that so we had like a completely normal relationship with food when I grew up and um, so it was in college you know the first couple of years in college when I became a little bit less active because I was like studying more and spent more time in school and also of course got my first car and uh, that all together, plus, you know, I was a little homesick and eating chocolate in my tiny room in the evenings to kind of soothe myself. And uh, I gained weight. I gained um, about 14 kilograms, which is roughly like 30 pounds, those who are listening in the States. And then um, 
it. I was I was just feeling very uncomfortable with it. And honestly, I didn't have like, oh my God, I'm a bad person. I know a lot of people have those thoughts. I'm a bad person. I'm unworthy. It wasn't really my case. My case was more like I had always been an athlete with an athlete body. Mm-hmm. And now it was different. So, you know, it didn't feel right. And I decided that, okay, I'm going to go ahead and lose that weight. And so um, I joined Weight Watchers when I was 21. I think the year was 2007. And um, I lost weight really quickly. And I was like, oh my God, this is actually easy. You know, I always thought that weight was as hard because you hear people telling those stories like, this is so hard. And I was like, no, it was not hard. And I was able to lose everything that I had gained plus some more um, over the course of about five months. And so I lost, uh, lost all that weight and I ended up even like lower weight than I had ever been in my life as an adult. And then, um, some changes started to happen. The first one that I noticed was that my sleep was really bad. It got like really bad. And, um, I remember, you know, I, I used to be a really, really good sleeper before that. I never had sleep issues before. Now I just couldn't, couldn't sleep. I would like be wake up, waking up at 4 a.m., 5 a.m. in the morning. My mind already racing. Like, do I have time to get my workout in? You know, like anxiety mm-hmm. and like getting the workout in was the most important thing. And so sleep issues were the first things. And then my period went away. I don't remember at what point, but pretty quickly when I started that weight loss, um, then I started being cold all the time. I remember people like joking like, hey, it's like really warm outside. Like, why are you wearing all these like layers and sleeves? And I'm like, because it's cold. Yeah. And my, <laughs> and my mom would say, well, you have no, no, um, no meat in your, in your bones. That's why I'm like, oh, come on now, let's just stop it. <laughs> so <laughs> I had a lot of these symptoms. Um, uh, constipation was pretty common. I remember, you know, not just not going to the bathroom for, you know, a couple of days at all and just thinking that oh this is just how I am or whatever and so all these now I know were the result of really quick weight loss and getting to the point that was natural for my body and um, it lasted for quite some time I was still counting the weight watchers points and, and running like a crazy person you know at least an hour every day at least an hour every day and I did most days it was fasted training because I had in my mind that I have to work out faster because this is how I burn more fat. You know, you read all kinds of stories and you take them very seriously. And uh, I started training for marathons. And, you know, you can only imagine what it does if you're really under eating already without training, right? Mm-hmm. And then you add like marathon training into the mix. So um, I, I ran a lot of marathons. I got really, really skinny. And at first, my running times were actually good. And they, they were better because I followed the program. Um, but then after a while, when my body got really, really depleted and uh, I ran more and more and more, I added the workout load without adding the energy that I put into my body, then my running time started slowing down, down too. And, uh, um, you know, the goal of my running was no longer to be faster and run good marathons, but it was just like weight loss. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't care like how, what the quality of my runs. I just called them like the junk miles. I was collecting junk miles, so junk kilometers. And... Um, that continued, how long did it continue? Maybe about until like 2003 or so. So six years, almost seven years. And then um, from there on, I started doing a little bit more strength training. I just switched switched up a couple of things. And then I realized that, hey, I have to actually eat more if I want to get stronger because otherwise it's not doable. And um, this is where my eating kind of started getting better. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, But my period still didn't come back. It's just that I started eating more. I let go of so many food rules that I had had. Um, and then 
overall my health started getting even better. I started, um, I gained a little bit of weight, but it was still mostly muscle mass because I, um, I started lifting weights. Mm -hmm. And so there were a couple of other diets that I did in between here and there, and my weight would fluctuate a couple of times, but um, it wasn't until like 2016 when I started getting really, really tired from doing a lot of high intensity stuff and running. And then in 2016, at the end of 2016, I decided that um, I had to do something about it because I was getting really, really exhausted. And it was new to me because I had always been, like I said, super active and wanting to do fitness. I never hated fitness. I never yeah. had this relationship, right? I had enjoyed it, but now I was like, hey, I don't like it anymore. What's up with that? Like, why do I have to push myself out the door to get my workout done mm -hmm. and join a group class to get it done? So um, very low motivation and, um, and my sleep got even worse. And then I, um, in May, I saw an acupuncturist and he said that, hey, you know, this is not normal. It shouldn't be that way. You have to cut back at the gym and uh, start eating a little bit more meat. Let's see if that makes any difference. And um, this is what I did. Of course, it was emotionally hard. Mm -hmm. It was it was tough to handle, but, uh, but I did it and it took me about five months. And um, I got my period back and other symptoms started getting much better too. Um, so that's kind of in a, in a nutshell as much as I can. Oh yeah, yeah, no, that was great. Thank you for sharing. And I also relate to a lot to like your sleep issues. I was waking up at like 4.30, 5.30 a.m. Uh, just my heart was racing too. I was just very like awake. And at the time I literally didn't even think or didn't want to think like, oh, I'm just, I, this isn't healthy or normal. Like, I don't know, it was a weird space to be in because I, I knew I had lost my period and I had started to research like losing your period related to weight loss because I had lost like 10 to 15 pounds in a short amount of time. And I was skinnier than I ever was even in my like teenager life. So I, I know I was forcing myself to try to be in a body size that wasn't sustainable for me or healthy. Uh, so I totally relate to that. And then I also relate to not liking exercise anymore. So when it got to the point where I was exhausted, it was it was funny because I started exercising way, way, way long ago. Like I was an athlete too. So like ice hockey and soccer and then I started weightlifting and going to the gym every day, mostly in high school. So it started then and I did enjoy it, but sometimes it felt like, oh, I have to go, but it, I still liked it. Um, and then it, it wasn't until... I got, I got really into hot yoga, so I was like obsessed with hot yoga years later, so when I was like 21, 22, um, and then I lost my period, not even from overtraining, it was just from under eating a lot, like very specifically focusing on what I was eating, and then also just going to hot yoga, so I think that, like power yoga, so it was very hot, and even though it was only one hour most days of the week, and I walked a lot, that was enough for my period to go away, because it's like the combination of everything, right? Um, and at that time I also hated going to the gym. I was like, I don't want to do weight lift. I'm too tired. Like who has energy for that? And it makes sense when you're under fueling and not taking care of yourself that we just don't have the motivation or energy to want to move our bodies like that. Yeah, it's so true. And yeah, it, you know, like not eating enough alone can be a reason for you to lose a period. And I've noticed working with people, I've actually noticed that some people tend to be more sensitive to exercise. And some people tend to be more exercise, uh, more uh, sensitive to reducing calories. Mm -hmm. And or sometimes it's a combination. But um, yeah, I, I've had people who don't actually work out that much at all. They do maybe like two or three workouts a week and they sound kind of like actually normal workouts, right? If you look at from like very objectively, right? They would 
like normal workouts, but yeah. maybe for this person, they're too much, but their calorie deficit from under-eating is just so big that that alone can cause it, for sure. Yeah, and yeah, thank you for that. So, after your recovery, I know you have a PhD. I didn't really cut. What's your PhD in? Mm-hmm. My PhD is in linguistics. Oh, cool. Oh, wow. So, are you, are you using that for something in your life, too? Uh, currently, no. I did. I still do have a translation company. Oh, cool. But I'm, yes, I'm the only employee there. <laughs> but, uh, it was, yeah, it was my company for a while, but now that has slowed down because I'm doing more of the health okay amazing thank you I was just curious about that mm-hmm. um, and then so in after your recovery uh, you're I know you always talk now a lot about there's like a few phases in recovery and, and coming back to balance and and what wellness and a good relationship with movement looks like so do you want to just talk about what you think the phases are sure yes so the way I see it, um, I call the overtraining and undereating. I call it together. It's a burnout, right? It's like a physical burnout, also mental too, but mostly it's a physical burnout. So the way I see it is that there are three phases in this burnout, and they are the burnout itself, which is the time when we are overtraining and undereating and or undereating, um, and then just like doing a lot all the time, being in the go all the time, um, checking your calories and measuring everything, and you know or the purpose of weighing less and being smaller. This is where we're like absolutely exhausted. Then the second phase is where we, we start understanding that we have to do something about it because we are just so exhausted, so tired. Like you said, you know, you're like, oh my goodness, I can't even think about the gym anymore, right? And then this is the phase where you start doing the opposite things. So now you have to understand that it's your job to eat more and rest more if you want to um, restore your metabolism because all the signs that we talked about, loss of period, bad sleep, constipation, blah, 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 they're all the signs of just very slowed down inactive metabolism. Mm-hmm. So in order to now uh, get that me- metabolism back up and running again, we have to do the opposite. We have to start uh, eating more, resting more. I highly recommend some kind of mindfulness practice because without the mindset work, your child, you can just physically recover sort of, and you know, people can see, but I'm in air quotes here, um, but you don't mentally recover. But yes, it's like going from this one side of the spectrum to the other, where you um, take like a complete opposite approach, and that's needed for that phase. And then finally, what I call the balance phase is that where you come back to between the first and the second phase, which is sort of like the gray area. We go from black to white and then to the gray. Mm -hmm. And then in this phase, you are doing things in moderation. So let's say that you maybe start some strength training again, because in the second phase, the healing phase, you don't strength train ideally, or maybe you do very little. In the balance phase, you can pick up the strength training and start out like, okay, let's see two, three workouts a week. How does that feel? But at the same time, you don't go crazy like you did in the first phase, right? Same thing with eating. Um, maybe, you know, yesterday I just shared on social media, like the cake example. Mm-hmm. Like in the first phase, you don't ever eat any cake because you think it's so bad for you, right? Mm-hmm. Because you are in this dieting mindset. And in the second phase, you may have times when you want to eat like three cakes in one sitting because your body is just so depleted. But now when we come to the balance phase, the gray area, this is where you're like, okay, I'll have some cake, but I'm not going to eat all of it. Or some days you're like, I don't want any of it because... I just don't like it, but it doesn't come from a place of restriction. It comes from a place of, I really genuinely don't like it. Mm-hmm. Or maybe there are days when you're like, oh, this is damn good. Let me have another slice. You know, it's like a, it's like a normal. You come back to uh, normalcy again. And this is where we all want to be because this is truly the healthy place. You don't make any 
extreme decisions anymore. You don't go after crazy weight loss goals and you also don't have to like extremely overeat to get your body back to balance. This is this is the middle ground. Yeah, thank you. I love that. And I think there's such an emphasis, which is so important because so many women, even if you look in like the support groups for like no period now what uh, or any support group where women are like starting to research why don't I have a period the emphasis is very much on the recovery phase so eating like usually the recommendation 2,500 or more calories cutting out all intense exercise if not all exercise and resting and that is so important definitely to get your period back and finding a, a way that works for you for me I still worked out a bit I didn't I cut out my intervals I cut out my heavy weightlifting, but I was I was still active um, from a place of when I wanted to be though like I let myself rest when I wanted to and that I did get my period back that way knock on wood um, but I think there's been like a bit of a missing piece of the puzzle where we're not talking about what happens afterward and that it doesn't mean that because you spent a lot of time in recovery and commit committed to eating whatever whatever you want like as much as you want and resting that that's going to be the rest of your life and you're not allowed to enjoy intense movement again or intense sports again because you simply enjoy it not because you're trying to change your body size or change your weight or obsess about getting that in versus other social time with loved ones or etc yes I, I love that you talk about it because I, I feel very strongly that way too like why are we why are we not talking about the life after what happens after and um, one thing that can happen a lot, which I, I've seen, is that when people get stuck in that healing phase, also like mentally, and then there's this little bit of like judgment happening that, hey, those who are doing now high intensity training or like weightlifting, they are now bad people all of a sudden because now, oh my goodness, they want to change their body shape or size, or why are they watching so carefully their food? Actually, my former client reached out to me and said that she she felt like a little bit like pleased mm -hmm. that um, somebody told her that hey why are you eating salad and not a pizza like are you are you dieting again she's like no i'm not dieting and she was a perfect example of like she's in the middle ground she chose that salad because she wanted that salad right mm -hmm. so it's not that we always have to now forever and ever eat pizza and then i think it's important that we you know don't don't judge other people too and the judgment is actually quite common in the first and the second phase because in the first phase when we are dieting and losing weight every minute we are also judgmental we're like oh my goodness these people don't know that dairy is bad for them mm -hmm. how dare they eat dairy or gluten or like how come like she doesn't see that she has gained weight she should really lose that right that's kind of like the judgment we have in the first phase and in the second phase we're like oh my god he's doing the high intensity training this is so bad she's obsessed so these are the extremes that i really I see that when you are able to let go of these extremes in your thinking, then then this is where you are arrived in that beautiful middle ground, which I feel is the healthiest place to be. But like you said, also the second phase is very, very important for healing. Yeah, it and is. no, I love, I really love the, the, how you brought up the judgments because it's so true because at first when you're, you think you're the epitome of health or whatever, you're making all the healthy choices when you're restricting and then you realize that that wasn't healthy. It definitely is the judgment of like, what is other, what are other people eating? How do they not know that that's not good, whatever. And then I totally got to the place too, where I was like, first judging other people, like assuming by looking at someone that works out intensely every day that they must be disordered and that their priorities are out of alignment and they need to do some healing work. And then I've slowly with like self-awareness and like reflection and just commitment to 
healing realize like we can't look at someone and know the intention behind their choices by just looking at someone the same way that just because we were open about our HA journey or if we had an eating disorder and whatever sometimes I even get in my head like oh I wonder if these people because they know of my journey and whatever they're wondering why I said no to cake or why why I'm like you said for example maybe eating a salad instead I'm like in my head like oh I wonder if they're judging me or wondering if that's why I made the choice but I think the more you stick to the recovery route and like what matters is that you know your own intentions and if your intentions aren't about oh I need to eat less and because I didn't work out today or, or if they're they're not based on disordered thoughts like your choices are your choices and we can never know another person's intentions just by looking at someone and assuming we do mm-hmm. yeah I totally agree and I think the foundation is that your relationship with food and your body has to be really good right like if this is good if this is like rock solid then um then you just stop caring about what other thing other people think so much because you know that okay i'm doing this for this or that reason this reason works for me right now this is what i'm gonna do and i'm really not let i'm not gonna let others to tell me what to do and this is important to understand in every phase actually right or actually in the second phase that you know i have to hear right now and there too you can get some judgment from others right hey why are you eating that cake again but you have to be like hey i do this for my health and i do to feel better and also in the last phase when you're when you are feeling okay and fine and you want to eat that salad this is what you're going to eat and it's actually not anyone else's business of course you know if you have family members who are worried maybe because of your your, your past and they see some patterns coming back maybe it is alarming for them that hey is she restricting again you know course that may happen and Mm -hmm. and you know people do it because they care about ourselves but we have to know if our um relationship with our food and our body is good then we don't go back to that restriction life anymore yeah and even having like good conversations with your loved ones and and bringing it up if or if they bring it up to you just having an open dialogue about where you're at and like what what you might need for support and letting people know that you're okay i think can be powerful too instead of like avoiding the discussion or just even getting a bit frustrated with other people like oh why are they asking me that or I mean a little bit of frustration can be normal but I mean like choosing to just talk about it and talk about where you're at and why you make your decisions so it doesn't feel like maybe loved ones around you are like psychoanalyzing everything that you're every choice you're making type of thing mm-hmm. yeah and it just comes from a place of love because they mm-hmm. love you and they care about you and they want to make sure that it doesn't happen again so we have to be understanding and like you said yeah maybe have some some good conversations that hey you know i i appreciate your concern but you know this i'm feeling really good about myself and really strong and making the choices that make me feel better and be honest right don't lie about it yeah exactly (laughs) yeah Yeah, people can tell when you're being authentic or when it's coming from a place of not so much yeah Um, so after you recovered and you started like starting to work with women i know at first you were saying because I've read some of your posts lately and that was why I reached out because I was excited that I feel like we were in the same kind of mental place of realizing nothing's ever really black and white um and I know you've been posting about what you've been doing recently for your health like some choices you've made related to eating to help with some health stuff you were trying to uh, make better so do you want to talk about that a bit and what that's been like for you yeah sure so uh what I found out at the end of last year is that I am actually quite sensitive to uh, sugar mm-hmm. and uh, you know when I was still in the healing phase I was one of those who was like hey you know it's totally fine to eat like dessert all the time and and you know sugar is actually not that bad um, which I still to some degree I do agree with it like 
to some extent I still agree with it because yeah. there's just so much like restriction around like sugar and sweets and any food actually right mm-hmm. if we just get it into our head that this is bad then we avoid it so I do think that it's important to let go of those restrictions um, but at the same time I started noticing yeah that um, I do have a little bit of like a problem with sugar and it started so that um, I actually had really 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 painful periods since I, I got the back which was in May 2017 so it's going to be three years soon and um, my periods are always really painful like the first or sometimes even the second day it was like I was in bed and I had to take literally the maximum dose of painkillers that they said on the label that this is the max dose you take more you know you, you can't get some you, you'll be in trouble yeah so um I had to take take those and I was always almost like praying that my first day of the cycle does not fall into my most intense work day because then I'm screwed yeah so I just uh, had to be in bed and just like get over it and just it, it was hard it took me like several hours a day to just get over my pain and so um I'm, I'm getting emails from someone called Nicole Jargon I don't know if you know her but yeah. she's also she's uh, the period girl on social media and so I started getting emails from her that she has like a big discount I think it was Black Friday uh, discount for her future period program and so I read the descriptions and and uh, the second track was talking about um, you know if you have very heavy periods which have mine were not heavy but they were painful or you have very painful periods then this track is for you you know um, you may think of you know want to think about getting the program and so I got the program and uh, the first thing that we started doing there was tracking her blood blood sugar because it comes out that this can cause uh, painful periods if, if you have some kind of blood sugar problem there if it's like spiking super high if it's constantly elevated um, and so I got my cytochometer and then sure enough the first time I tested my fasting glucose in the morning after having had like a lot of chocolate the night before and it was way higher than what was recommended in her resources mm-hmm. I was like whoa I had never any idea because I thought I'm super healthy I don't have any issues with that and so that was shocking and then I started um, doing what the program said just like track your blood sugar before you eat and then right after and then 15 minutes after and 30 minutes after over the course of two hours and see how certain foods affect you and what I found was like yes very high sugar foods really sent my blood sugar super high and um, you know even very carbohydrate rich foods like oatmeal just set my blood sugar extremely high Um, also like potatoes if I ate them in bigger quantities and so I started paying attention to these things and then finding the foods that didn't do that right so that did mean more like vegetables and uh, and eggs and uh, a lot of protein like Mm -hmm. pretty high protein and uh, I did it for four weeks and then my period next period came and I did not have pain I was like wait a minute this is crazy like seriously and I kept going like the next month too. I, you know, I had some sweet things, but I sweetened them with like monk fruits or had, you know, some other things like with things that I could just substitute because I do have sweet tooth. Yeah. So, um, and then I started having these types of like snacks and desserts and the second month comes and yeah, no, no pain again. And I was like, this is absolutely amazing. I had started acupuncture at the same time. So it was like probably a combination. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do believe that this sugar experiment was like really, really good for me. And uh, this is where I realized that, hey, some people actually do have a problem with sugar. And mm-hmm. so I cannot say that anymore that, hey, we can all eat as much sugar as we don't want and nothing will ever happen because I was an example of you know that not being true. 
And so, yeah, I, I've had like four periods since then, and I have not taken a single painkiller. That's amazing. That's really amazing. I know. It's it's so amazing. I'm, I'm just blown, blown away myself, too. Like, I, because when you are in such bad pain, you don't think that anything would help. It's mm-hmm. just, just hopeless. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that your periods have been that painful. I had painful periods more in my teenage years, uh, like high school. Sometimes I was even sick, like I'd throw up, but that, well, that wasn't often. But um, I wasn't really interested in like holistic health at that time or like this kind of area of research. I didn't even know about it. And I think it's super fascinating. Because I actually have been wanting to track my blood sugar because I basically have a, a mild version of PCOS before I had HA in the first place. And um, most people on my dad's side have diabetes, so it's very common in my family. And then one of my blood tests, I had eaten a large a large carb meal like an hour before getting a blood test by accident. Like my, my mom was just like, oh, let's go get our blood work. And I was like, I just ate whatever. I just, I won't do the fasted um, test. And that test came back that my blood sugar was really low. So that can happen, reactive hypoglycemia, like if you eat a high carb meal and your insulin's too high after, your blood sugar can go too low too fast. So you get like dizzy and hungry again and stuff. So that was when I started to realize like, oh, maybe I already do have, like that's, those are the beginning signs of an insulin issue, which I kind of already thought I had because of the PCOS thing before. So I'm interested to get a glucometer. I haven't yet. I keep saying I'm going to get one um, just to track and see how, how I feel. Um, but that's so cool. I'm going to definitely tell. I have a few friends that have really... Um, painful periods and they've actually asked me to talk about that like as an episode so I'm gonna like tag them in this one and be like listen to this or try this or look at Nicole Jordan the period girl yeah yeah it's it was very very eye-opening and also you know that's not to say that this is gonna be everyone's issue yeah everybody's gonna have insulin problems blood Mm -hmm. sugar problems but but if you do you gotta pay attention to that and this is you know, coming back to our previous topic, which is the black and white mindset, this is this is again where, you know, <coughs> how would I say? So, people who are very much into this, like, hey, we hate all diets and all restrictions are unnecessary. I'm over here, like, hey, like this is not true, mm-hmm. right? Like, if you if you haven't had that kind of period pains, then maybe you can say that. But if you've had period pains and you can't call it normal, sometimes you see like, oh, period pains are normal. It's nothing wrong with that. Well, yes, lifetime pain is normal. But like, if you get like really really bad period pains, then that's not okay. Mm-hmm. And so if if regulating, if like avoiding high sugar foods or high carbohydrate foods helps me to to manage that, then why would I not do it? Mm-hmm. Just so that I can be more quote unquote like anti diet. No, I'm not going to do that. And um, there's something else I wanted to. Oh, I wanted to add also that um, I shared on social media the other day I was baking something. And then I used uh, I used almond flour or almond meal, yes. and then I used the monk fruit sweetener, right? Because regular flour um, and then the regular sugar just don't don't work for me right mm-hmm. now. So um, I used those, and then of course there are people who are like, why like, is this necessary? Like this is this is promoting a diet culture. I'm like, hey, this is not about that. This is not about promoting diet culture. This is actually a health problem, mm-hmm. and this is how I deal with it. And and this is the very dangerous place to go and judge somebody without knowing their history, knowing their health, and just say that, hey, you're dieting, you're promoting diet culture, I thought you were different. You know, we have to know the difference between these things. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And I think it it can be, it, it takes a lot of courage, first of all, to come and say and speak your truth, especially in 
kind of this black and white culture that we're in right now where it's like you're either you're either food freedom eat everything whatever you want all the time or you're strictly disordered you have you're like you said promoting diet culture and like that's that's not healthy and I again this comes back to the we don't know someone's intention most of the time but you are you have clearly even stated your intentions for why you're doing it you're very open with with why you're making your decisions and how it's helping you not everyone needs to be that's a personal choice but the fact that people are still assuming that your choices are based from a diet culture mindset just goes to show the very strict black and whiteness of it it's just never that's just not what it is and that's never that's never what it is Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And honestly, you know, coming back to those intentions again, uh, I would even go as far as say uh, uh, and say that you know, even if somebody wants to in a healthy way change their body composition, and they are healthy, their relationship with their food, with their food and themselves is fine. Like I don't see why we have to judge that. Mm-hmm. I don't see the reason why we have to judge that. So I understand that if you are still in a very much in the dieting mindset, or if you're in the healing mindset, then every everything that mentions like add muscle or like reduce body fat it can be so triggering for you mm-hmm. that it spins you back into that fir- first phase where you're like overtrained and under eating it completely obsessive but we gotta understand that there are people who have to for health reasons uh, lose some weight and i i cannot i'm not the person who says that this is unnecessary there are people who say that your weight never uh, affects your health but i don't agree with that and secondly if somebody wants to change their body composition and does it in a responsible and in a healthy way i don't think that we should judge that everybody can do what they want and let's just hope that their health is good that they are not getting obsessive but um but i, I don't think that we have to judge that and this is not where what i was thinking when i was in the healing phase and stuff too this is where i was like oh they want to lose weight like you know this is a bad decision blah 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 but <laughs> I, I don't think that way anymore yeah, I, I relate so much to shifting from feeling that way in the healing phase too. Like everyone's making this decision from a disordered mindset or from a lack of self-love almost to now being like, wow, people can make empowered decisions and be like, I want to change the shape of my body a bit. I want to gain some muscle in my legs. I want to, I don't know, firm up my upper body, whatever the intention is. And it doesn't have to be. And it like never, not never, it, it, it isn't often from a place of disordered mindset. Like a lot of people make that choice to maybe empower themselves, to feel good about themselves, to have a new challenge. And it doesn't mean that they they don't have self-worth or they don't love themselves as they are. I think you can come from a place of loving yourself now, taking rest days when you need to, having balance with food, and then also having a physical aesthetics goal and not be obsessed or, again, that black and white, like to- totally over the top into it. It doesn't have to be like that. Yeah, I totally, totally agree with you. And honestly, I think that um, when once you've been through that second phase, the healing phase, like mentally too, you are now hopefully so strong that you are loving yourself more than ever and you're making uh, decisions that are best for you. Like really, they're good for your health and good for your mindset. And you're just, you are in such a balanced state that you just know what works for you and what doesn't. And so even if you have a physique goal, you don't go crazy with it anymore. You know when to stop, right? Like, if my training program that I'm following right now tells me to do like four workouts a week, but I'm tired and I'm taking like the day off and I'm doing three workouts a week or two workouts a week, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's just this flexibility too, and everything has to be like a, you gotta you gotta know yourself and be super honest with yourself. And I love that you incorporated the word 
flexibility because even just the flexibility of, oh, let's say something spontaneous comes up and you need to change your plans, you're not like freaking out because your workout didn't get done before you had to go to that last minute concert or like think like just scenarios like that where you're missing out on opportunities to have fun and connect with people and just last minute things because you're so wound up in your commitment to your workouts and even for myself I, I love being active and it's come back to I just love how my body feels but some like I got really into dance lately and I'm I've like it's more of like a like a dance hall soca kind of Caribbean type of dance classes that I do and I would have never really a few years ago thought of getting into that because for me my movement was more about how much calories can I burn how strong can I get how can I change my body shape and now I'm really enjoying just different physical activities that make me feel good because I love them and yeah that's so amazing and that's great like you you were still active you, you do the things that you like it's not that now you know because you went through an eating disorder and, and the phase with obsessive exercise it's not that now you have to be doing the opposite like never move anymore mm-hmm. like yeah it's all the time you know you find your balance naturally and that looks different for different people you know you like your dance and I like people like to go back to lifting weights it's mm-hmm. different it's flexible and you know what do what works for you and what you enjoy yeah exactly and even like I still I still enjoy weightlifting too but then when I have an injury now I'm not like forcing myself to still do it like my I've been having sciatica pain a bit in my leg and the old me would be like do it anyway and I've taken like five days off and just been doing like mobility stuff and it's starting to feel better because I'm listening to our body and I think that's one of the most important things that again we start to nurture a relationship with ourselves and understanding of ourselves and really know ourselves so we know our intentions we know why we're making the choices we're making and then we know how to catch ourselves when like if we might fall back into a disordered thought or a, a, a way of being that isn't serving us mm-hmm. yeah so true I, I completely agree yay okay so that was basically everything I think that that I wanted to touch on today. Do you want to just tell us what else you're up to now? Like what are some future goals you're moving towards? Some future goals? Um, You mean like personal? Yeah, you can do anything. Personal, with your health (laughs) coaching. Anything. Uh, I'm going to keep putting out the message about the balance Mm -hmm. and uh, how how to come back to that middle ground and that gray area because it's so important. And I know the gray area is not sexy. It's not what people want to do. It doesn't sound like extreme quick results right but this is actually where the real health happens so i'm going to continue um put out that message then what else is going on here um let me think keeping you know keeping like living living my life too like you said not doing everything just like how much work can i work out or how can i like make my food change whatever like life has to happen first like like you know like the things that you enjoy the events you want to go to the people you want to hang out with you know you have to enjoy your life before the all the food and the exercise craziness uh, they, they are not like primary thing in your life so just enjoying my life and and putting out the the resources that help other people to do the same yeah thank you i i love your accounts and everything you post and i got excited like i said when you posted the thing that was a bit taboo about approaching health from a not black or white place and just continuing that discussion because the same way we were saying that sometimes it is necessary and healthy for people to lose weight. It's the same way we can't look at someone that is, air quotes, overweight by society standards, or, but we can't know that there's, they, they need to lose weight for their health. There, there's so much variety and there's the huge spectrum that we just don't have 
full insight into the room, looking on the outside. And I think it's so important to have the conversation that, again, coming back to intentions and knowing that everyone's making decisions for their health we, that are based on their own like mental processes. We can't know what's going on. We can be there for people we care about and ask and have discussions, but it's important to keep this discussion open too. I think especially for women that are consciously choosing to recover from HA or burnout and even people that are working with you who want to come back and they've healed and now they want to have a healthy balance. They miss moving They and the, they want to enjoy working out again from a different place, but I feel like there's that guilt, like a little bit of like, oh, should I even want to do that because it came from a disordered place before. So just mm -hmm. having that discussion will inspire more women to step into movement in a, in a, in a healthier way. Yeah, so important. And by the way, if anyone is struggling with AJ right now or overtraining, then um, I do have resources if you want to start feeling better and like take first quick steps towards your recovery, then um, I have a free guide how to start eating for AJ recovery and also how to deal with overtraining, what are the five steps to take. So um, if you're interested, I don't know, maybe actually you can put them in the show notes. Or yes, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to tag your accounts and so everyone can follow you and reach out to you. And yeah, if anyone does need extra support, even I know you offer one-on-one -on -one coaching too, right? For support? Yes. yes, I do. Wonderful. Okay. Thank you so much for coming on the episode today and just having this nice chat. It was great. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Yay. So that's the end of our nice chat today with Kirsten. I loved talking there. That just felt really easy and casual to go back and forth usually I plan like questions to ask when it's on a specific topic but today just felt very flowy from the heart because it's based on our own experiences and just chatting about how you know we never know what someone's making their decisions based on and there really is a nice balanced place where you can love exercise love food make make decisions for your health and it not be about controlling the size of your body or how you take up space in the world so I think that's really powerful so thank you all for listening. We are still quarantining right now for COVID-19 and I hope everyone's still doing okay. I had a bit of a harder week uh, personally and just you know approaching it with self-compassion, slowing down a bit, sleeping a bit more, taking care of myself has been really helpful. And I hope you're all doing the same, taking care of your loved ones and yourselves. Thank you so much, and we'll see you, I don't know when, but whenever the next episode is of Fully Free with Ashley, take care.